Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. Let's magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, the first book in the Bible, Genesis, and the 42nd chapter. And uh, let me just say that uh, some of the finest preachers in leather are standing on this platform. And uh, some of them are my nearest and dearest friends. Many of them I admire. And uh, many of them, when I'm not, uh, when I have a few quiet moments, I listen to them preach. And so let me just say this. I, I did not come to preach to them. Uh, many of these men are my close friends, and I know how much they love all of you. And uh, my prayer has been that God would make me a blessing to God's people. And uh, I have one desire and one prayer, and that is that tonight... I would edify you, I would encourage you, I would strengthen you so that you can serve God in your city and in your church and in your generation. Can you say amen? I'm going to have a very... I hope I don't have a hard time preaching this. Um, I don't have notes. Uh, God has been dealing with me and dealing with me to preach this. Um, I have never preached this um, but I feel like it is the word of the Lord for you. We are living in the last days. I said we are living in the last days. And we must be ready. We have to be ready. And uh, I want to get ready for Jesus. I want to get ready for Jesus. Amen. Can we lift just one hand right now? Let's just slip a hand in the air. And I want you to pray that in whatever way you might pray that. But just pray that Jesus... I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I praise you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Genesis 42, verse number 21. The Bible says, And they said to one another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul. When, we, when he besought us, and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come, Upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments this evening on this very simple subject money matters. Money matters. Can we say that together? Money matters. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit and for your presence that we feel in this house. God, I pray that in the next few moments you would speak through me as the oracle of the Lord. God, use me to minister to your precious people. God, as this world begins to applaud and worship the evil being done, God, touch us tonight that we might walk out of here elevating righteousness, holiness, and godliness unto you. Lord, we pray that you would use us to be a generation that ushers in your return and that is prepared for the last day revival that you have. In Jesus' name, and someone shout amen. amen. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. This evening, we're reading out of the book of Genesis. When I read a particular book in the Bible, or when I'm reading through a particular book in the Bible, I always try to take a step back to see how God is behaving in that particular book. Because each book in the Bible reveals certain characteristics 
and behaviors of God. I want to know how God acts. I want to know how God behaves. And something that you see in Genesis is that God, in the first half of the book, and really almost to the very end of the book, speaks audibly, dramatically, and detailed. He creates the world audibly. He speaks it into existence. He creates man, and he walks in the garden with man and talks with man. And when man sins, it is the voice of God that he avoids. There is this audible God in Genesis. And it doesn't stop there. We have a man named Noah who's living among the most wicked of all generations. And he hears a voice begin to talk to him. And the voice tells him, you will build an ark. And in 100 words tells him exactly all the dimensions of that ark. That is powerful. That is dramatic. That is amazing. That God would speak in such detail and such specificity to a human being. Doesn't stop there. There's another collapse in humanity. But God doesn't give up. He speaks to a man named Abraham. A man living among heathens and pagans. And one day, we don't know what he was doing, but he hears a voice. An audible voice. Tell him, get out from your country. Get out from among your family and follow me. And Abraham follows the voice clear into the desert. He leaves a civilization that was the most advanced of its time. They had writing 1,500 years before the Chinese. They invented the wheel. They had the first form of laws and governance. And Abraham leaves this organized civilization, walks out into the desert, hearing a voice. And when he's in the desert, the voice tells him where the wells are. The voice tells him how to survive. The voice tells him where to go. The voice attracts people to him and his wife. A voice... A voice. And the voice gets more and more dramatic. And it does more intense and detailed things. It tells him to create a covenant between him and God. The voice makes promises. And they all come to pass. Some several hundreds of years later. But the voice speaks. The man hears it. The man moves by it. The man survives it. Abraham didn't just have faith. He lived by faith. And the two are not the same. Some people have faith but don't live by faith. Abraham not only had faith, he was able to live by it because he heard a voice. That same voice comes back around to the descendants of Abraham, to Isaac. It even speaks to Isaac's wife. She goes out one day in the middle of the night because she cannot have children and she begins to pray. And the voice comes down again and it speaks to her and it begins to tell her mysteries and revelations and it tells her the reason you are in the condition that you're in is because there are two nations inside of you and they will fight and they will war. And just as the voice said it was, She has two children, Esau and Jacob. And God speaks to Jacob in dramatic fashions. It's amazing. And then when you reach the 37th chapter of Genesis, God stops talking for the rest of the book. At least in audible form. God decides to switch the script. And now he speaks through dreams alone. God goes from speech to objects and symbols. It gets subtle. But God still demands the same amount of obedience. 
Let me tell you something. The Bible, the people of the Bible were way ahead of their time. My mother has worked in sleep research for over 20 years. I worked in sleep research for a few years. Clear up until the 19th century, most people that studied sleep associated sleep with inactivity. The Greeks even thought that sleep was a, 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 a minor form of dying. The Greek god Hypnos had a twin brother. Hypnos means sleep in Greek. He had a brother. His twin brother was Thanos, which meant death. They associated sleeping with death. This is the way the most of the world thought about sleeping, was a small death. Most people believe that when you closed your eyes, your soul left your body. And even clear into modern times, most people believe that when you fell asleep, you were totally inactive. But the Bible takes the opposite position. And it says that when men sleep, dramatic and dynamic things happen. And in the Bible, God starts speaking through dreams. And the first person that's going to have to learn to master God's language of dream and interpretation is a young boy named Joseph. Joseph will now have to look at objects that he has seen his whole life and not ask himself, what are these? But what does this mean? Joseph's introduction to sleep and interpretation in dreams couldn't have been worse. He has two dreams. And in the first, he's standing out in the field. Nothing new. He has stood out in a lot of fields. He's surrounded by wheat. Nothing new. He's been surrounded by wheat plenty of times. He was part of an agricultural people. But something unique happens. These bundles of wheat start dancing. They start swaying. And then they fall at his feet. I know that's wheat, but what does that mean? He wakes up, goes back to sleep, has another dream. And this time, he looks out into the heavens, and he sees the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bow to him. He's seen this a thousand times in his life, and now he has to ask himself, what does this mean? He wakes up, comes out of his room in his multicolored pajamas and tells his family, I had a dream. He said, and in this dream, sheaves of wheat bowed to me. And in this other dream I had, the moon and the stars bowed to me. On this particular occasion, everybody could interpret the dream. Joseph's brothers quickly picked up on what it meant and they said, what are you trying to tell us? That you'll reign over us one day? Joseph's mother and father even stood and said, what do you mean? Are you trying to tell us that all of us will one day be under your shadow of influence and rule? That was exactly what the voice was saying. That was exactly what God was saying, albeit in the most subtle form possible. The book of Acts chapter 7 tells us that Joseph's brothers moved against him with envy. Isn't it amazing what envy will make you do? I'm telling you, if there's any sin you ought to guard yourself against, it's envy. Don't you ever get jealous of anybody. You stay in your lane and worship God. You stay in your lane and be faithful to Jesus. Don't you worry about what... Come on. All throughout the Ten Commandments, God tells us, do not covet, do not covet, do not covet. You don't need to covet anything. You don't need to be envious of anything anybody else has. Because if you stay in your lane, God is going to bless you. If you stay in your lane, God will... Come on. I don't know about you, but I want the blessings of the Lord over my life. And I know that I can't get it. Being envious, being jealous... Oh, somebody give God a hand praise right now. 
Come on. Jesus. Oh, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Thirty-seven of Genesis, Jacob settles in the land, and he tells his settles in the land of his forefathers, and he tells Joseph one day, he says, "Go check up on your brothers." They were out tending sheep. Joseph goes to check up on his brothers, and before he gets there, they start plotting against him, and they just they they begin to conspire, and they say, "You know what? Let's just get rid of this guy." Joseph shows up, and he is violently assaulted. They throw him in a pit, and they were about to let him die. But Reuben, his oldest brother, says, don't do it. Leave the boy alone. Judah says, sell him. And the rest say, let's see if his dreams are even of God. One guy loves him, the other guy wants to sell him, the rest want to test him. Welcome to the family of God. (laughs) You stick around a while, it's going to get good. Hopefully by now all of us know the story. Joseph ends up getting sold as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. 20 pieces of silver. He goes into slavery for who knows how many years. Some speculate he was 13 when he went in. We know he was 30 when he came out. He was in jail a long time. And it wasn't these... uh, you know, three meals a day, you know, make videos and post them on the internet off your cell phone kind of jail. It wasn't go in, you know, get buffed and come out looking healthier kind of jail. It was, it was a different kind of a deal. But just as the dream had predicted, it happened. Years down the road, they all get reunited. But Joseph begins to play a very intricate game on his brothers. And I won't belabor this story. But basically, he begins to run them through a gauntlet of tests. All with the objective of getting them to repent. And in the verse we just read, they repent. They repent, Brother Walker, about everything. Except for one thing. Selling him. They repented about beating him up. They repented about being mean. They repented about being bloody and cruel. But they never repented about selling him for 20 pieces of silver. And as I was praying, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and told me to speak to this congregation and to tell you that the sin that eludes us the most, the sins that evade us the most, the sins that hide from us the most, the sins that are hardest to detect are the ones that we do for money. Some of the trickiest sins in all of our lives, some of the ones that can sneak up on us and get us, even as good saints of God, are the ones we commit for money. Oh, I'm going to find you in just a few seconds. Don't worry. And I know that perhaps there's a lot of people here wondering, how does he, where does he even get the idea to preach this to me? Amen. Does he not know that I am broke? Let me tell you, saint of God, let me tell you, saint of God, the lowest 5% popul- 
The, the poorest 5% of people living in America are wealthier than the richest 5% of people living in India. And the and the poorest 10% of people living in the United States are just as poor, if not doing better, amen, than the top or the lower 10% of people living across Europe. That means that our poor are still even doing better than Europe's poor. And our poor are doing better than India's rich. And we are on average 70% doing better than the rest of the world are poor. Our poor are not so poor. Our poor are not so poor. Yeah, you broke, but you're not as broke as the majority of the world. The majority of the world lives on $2 a day. $2 a day wouldn't even pay your Metro PCS phone bill. And so it behooves the church to know that there's a temptation when it comes to living in affluence and having money. There are sins that can creep into our lives that are hard to detect, that are hard to gauge, that are hard to read. We'll repent about everything except the stuff that we do for money. We'll repent about being mean, but we won't repent about missing church so we can work a few extra out. Come on, we'll repent, hallelujah, about gossiping, but we won't ever repent, hallelujah, about the situation we got into just so we can have a little bit more money in our pocket. And God wants the church to wake up, and God wants the church to make sure it doesn't fall. We need to get, we need to get a hold of this, come on. Come on, somebody help me preach right now. Come on, God is talking. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me be the first to tell you. Amen. I pastor people as well. Amen. And I've been preaching for several years now. Hallelujah. And I understand that there are times and seasons in all of our lives. Amen. Where we have to work. Where we have to make a little bit of extra money to take care of the family. But there's nothing more grievous. There's nothing sadder than to see somebody who went from a season to a station. Who goes from just having to have done something under special circumstances. To now sitting further back in the church. uh, To now barely showing up on midweek service uh, all just to make an extra dollar and your wife has got a Gucci purse but she's got a lukewarm heart and your kid and your kid's private school is paid for but they haven't been to midweek service in months and you come on this is not what you signed up for this is not the way you want things to be this is not the direction you want things to go no matter how no matter where you're at in life put God first no matter where you are in life put God first no matter how no matter how good of a grade you want on your finals put God first no matter how much of a raise they offer you put God first no matter how much overtime is being offered put God first oh Jesus No matter how much bigger of a house you can buy, put God first. No matter how new your car is, put God first. No ma- somebody praise Jesus right now. God's talking to somebody. Come on for about 10 seconds. Let's shake it off. Let's shake it off. Let's just shake. Oh, come on, come on, come on. There's something wonderful happening here right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I have an obligation to preach this. According to 1 Timothy 6, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world. 
We, we always judge ourselves among ourselves. But we never stop and think, how good do I have it compared to everybody else in the world? And you better ask yourself that because in another country, just a few miles away, there's somebody that wouldn't miss Sunday for their life. And they got it worse than you and they got a better attitude than you. And they make less money than you and they tithe better than you. And, and they got more mouths to feed and they bring them all to church. And they, And they live under corrupt governments and they still sneak their way into the house of God. And they get persecuted and they still come to the house of God. And they get beaten, bruised, and they hug their Bibles on the way in. And they... Come on, come on, come on. Jesus is coming soon. I'm not preaching this to pick on you. I'm not preaching this to chide you. I'm preaching this because Jesus is coming soon. And he wants us to be at the head of the line. And he wants us to... He wants us to be part of end time apostolic revival and we got to put God first. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what Paul told Timothy that I should tell you to not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. You know, Jacob went to bed one night. He had been running. Jacob had been running and running and running and running. And one night he went to bed. And when he woke up, while he was sleeping, he had a vision. And the Bible says that there was angels ascending and descending. It should have been the other way around. The angels should have been coming down, but they were actually going up. And the interpretation of the dream is this. Jacob, you've been surrounded by angels this whole time. And that's why he woke up and he said, man, I've never realized how horrible, how awesome of a place this is. It's full of angels. There's somebody here that's thinking, God, don't hear me, buddy. There's angels all around you. There's a mother thinking, man, I don't know what we're going to do. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to trust in riches. We're going to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and know that angels are going to go up on our... Angels are going to go up on our behalf and angels are going to come down on our behalf and angels... Angels will go. Come on. I don't know about you, but if somebody preached that to me, I'd be shouting right now. Come on. Dios le está hablando a alguien ahorita. God's talking to somebody right now. God's talking. Can we lift our hands just for let's just for a few seconds here? Oh Jesus. I'm telling you. One of the scariest scriptures in the Bible. And it doesn't sound so scary at first. Is when Jesus says. That if you go to the altar and pray. And discover that you've done something to your Joseph. Leave the money right there. (laughs) To think. You can make it through the door. You can make it through the song service. You can make it through the preaching. Only to find out that when you get to the altar, money got you. The gift got you. Let me tell you, there's no amount of money that excludes you from having to apologize. And before anybody thinks I'm ragging on folks with money, I don't care how broke you are. It's no excuse for being unchristian. That was good preaching right there. Somebody needs to, somebody needs to grab a hold of that one. 
Because there's some folks that think that just because they're broke, they can talk however they want to whoever they want. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you're so broke you can't spend the night. You better pray through and come here talking right. You better come here with your hands up. You better love Jesus. It's bad enough you're broke. Don't go to hell too. Come on, somebody. I don't care if I'm broke or rich, money ain't going to get me. I don't care if I'm broke or rich, money ain't going to get me. I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this for Jesus. I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this for Jesus. I'm not in this. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. What did you come here for tonight? What did you come here for tonight? We came here for Jesus. We came here for Jesus. We We came here for the Jesus that saved us from that car accident that we should have been in here. We came in here for the Jesus that when we had stage three cancer, we somehow survived. We came in here for the Jesus that went with us to the funeral. We came here for the Jesus that walked with us through divorce court. We came here for the Jesus that got us through child molestation and abuse. We came here for Jesus uh, that got us through when we didn't think we could get through. We came here for Jesus. Oh, come on, come on. Proverbs, Proverbs says that all the weights of the bad are the work of the Lord. I didn't think anybody would amen. Because nobody thinks a light bag is the work of God. Nobody thinks a thin bag is the work of the Lord. And let me tell you something. If you get a heavy bag and a big bag, watch your spirit. And if the bag's thin, watch your spirit. And don't let the bag, big or little, change your worship. Don't let it affect your praise. Don't let the bag be the barometer. I'm going to shout just as good when I'm broke as I do when I get a raise. I'm going to be just as faithful to church when I'm applying for jobs as when I get the job. I'm going to... Come on, come on, come on. Somebody else ought to be feeling that way. I don't. Hallelujah. Come on for about 10 seconds. Let's give God an unconditional praise. A praise that has nothing to do, nothing to do with the weight of the bag. you ready I have to get you ready I have a job to get you ready because in the last days they'll be buying and selling I got to get you ready because in the last days they'll be planting and building houses I got to get you ready because in the last days they'll be having $20,000 weddings I got to get you ready because in the last days there'll be affluence I got to get you ready because in the last days people are going to have it and I know you I I know you don't realize it but we are living in a time and an age where actually the whole income of the world has actually gone up don't believe what they tell you out there these are all facts the, the the quality of life my my dad works for the un this is what he does for a living amen but the quality of life for everyone around the globe is going up but the spirituality is going down you know Paul told Timothy, he says, remind them, 
to be rich in good works. Do good. I know you, we're, Christendom is so afraid of the word good works and deeds. They're so afraid of it. But listen, we don't believe once saved, always saved around here. You can be lost. But let me say this. Amen. You ought to have good works and good deeds in your life. You ought to walk old ladies across the street. You ought... Come on, I got about three people clapping on that one. I'm telling you, you ought to... You ought to help people out. You ought to let your light so shine that people may see your good works and glorify God. Come on. When's the last time you did something so good that somebody praised Jesus for it? When's the last time you did something so good that somebody said, thank God in heaven. I just. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. This is good preaching. This. Paul says, Paul says, Timothy, remind them not to be high-minded. Stay humble. Stay humble. Wear your suit, but stay humble. Drive your car, but stay humble. Buy your house, but stay humble. Get you some new furniture, but stay humble. Get you a good job, but stay humble. Get... Stay humble, young man. Stay humble, young lady. Get you a degree, but stay humble. Get you... Come on. You can stay humble. You can stay humble. You can be blessed and humble. You can be blessed... Come on. You can be blessed and humble. You can be blessed and... I'm going to keep saying that. Somebody don't believe... You can be blessed and humble. You can be... I got people down at East Bay that make good money and scrub toilets. And I'm going to keep it 100 with you. You know why? Because pastor scrubs toilets. Because pastor don't care where he preaches and pastor don't care the suit he wears and pastor don't care about the tie. Pastor's scrubbing toilets for Jesus. Pastor's taking out garbage to stay humble. Pastor's working for Jesus. Pastor's not working for... And you stay humble and you'll keep getting promoted. You stay humble, you'll keep getting blessed. You keep passing that vacuum no matter how much money's in your account. And you'll keep getting more. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. The Holy Ghost is talking to us. Jesus. For about 10 seconds, let's lift up our hands right now. Jesus. 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 most easiest and effective ways to stay humble. Pray. 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 And here's a pro tip. Pray before you do anything else. Pray before you go to work. Pray before you go to school. Pray before Pray before you come to church.
Something happens when you fall at the feet of Jesus. Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus. Mary Magdalene fell at the feet of Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman fell at the feet of Jesus. I'm telling you, when you fall at the feet of Jesus and you just humble yourself, I'm telling you, brother, miracles happen. Miracles happen. Power begins to flow. When you fall, when you get down and you fall at the feet, I can't tell you how many times, Brother Booker, I get down on my knees to pray. I can't tell you how many times, Joel, as I'm on my knees praying because I'm fighting something, I'm struggling, or I'm just getting ready for Monday, and God says, go lower, go lower, and I can feel that floor calling me. And I'm telling you, I can't explain it, but there's just something I got to even push the chair away. And I always, you know, you, you stall for a little bit, and you're wondering, do I really got to do that? Amen. And, 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 and then you, you have that whole little wrestling match, but I'm telling you, by the time my cheek hits that cold floor and I just lay out and I start touching the feet of Jesus and I just start falling at the feet of Jesus I can't tell you how many times I went down sick and came out healed I can't tell you how many times I went down broken and came out whole I can't tell you how many times I went I can't tell you how many times I went down guilty and came out forgiven how many times I went down oh Jesus how many times I went down arrogant but I came up here Jesus, I came up humble. I'm telling you, there's something about falling at the feet of Jesus, humbling yourself. I'm done preaching. Can we just pray for a few seconds collectively in concert? Let's pray together. Come on. Jesus, 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 Jesus. This message is for everyone living in the last days. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me and told me that there are a few people scattered throughout this congregation. Your pastor loves you. Jesus loves you. Your church loves you. But you've gotten yourself into a pickle for money. Your attendance gone down. Your perspective of the things of God. I'm not, I'm not, when I say for money, I mean for abundance or lack thereof. Some people are losing out with God because they don't have as much money as they'd like. Other people are losing out because you've made a little too much. 
And you've not stayed generous. You've not stayed humble. Agar prayed, Lord, don't ever let me be so rich that I forget you. And don't ever let me be so poor that I steal and blaspheme your name. Don't let me be arrogant or ignorant. As reverently as we can, let's just stand together. And let's just keep a nice spirit of prayer and sensitivity right now. There are young people here right now that you're entering a new stage and phase of life. God is calling you today to go into that stage and phase humble. God is calling you. God is telling you. God is commanding you. That as you enter this next stage of your life, go in there humble. Get your degree, but stay humble. Do what you got to do, but stay humble. Don't let, do not let your church attendance waver. I'm telling you, my wife, and I I don't mind bragging on my wife, she's my wife. She went to an expensive private school, was the head of the music department, and never missed church. And had a great GPA, not even average, above average. And she didn't miss church, and she didn't miss practice. And so you're going to have to really talk to me for a while till you convince me. That it can't be done. It can be done. It can be done. And you may not know it, but sprinkled throughout this congregation, there's people that have more degrees than, than a thermometer. And they stayed humble the whole way through. There's people here that have been blessed, young man, young woman, with good church attendance. And you know what else there are in here? There are people that got it all only to be broken in the end. And find out that they should have never let go of God. And now they've made their way back, but their priorities are straightened out. And if they could, they'd scream right now at the top of their lungs. Don't do it like I did. Keep your priorities straight. I know this is not a run the aisles message, though we ran the aisles. But this is a get ready for Jesus message I need some musicians to come y'all ready to pray did you come to pray I came to pray I want to feel God. I want to hear God. God is talking to somebody tonight. I refuse I don't feel bad to I refuse to touch my phone first in the morning 
I won't even sleep with it in my room. And I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I got better things to do. I take that. I refuse for that to be the first thing I touch. I'm not going to lose my soul in 2019. You could still be an on fire prayer warrior, giving, Holy Ghost filled saint of God in these days. You can do it. You can have dreams and visions. You can hear the voice in 2019. You can have dreams in 2019 from heaven. If he's your everything. Come on. There's a man here. I could call you out right now, but your church attendance is destroying your family. You need to get up here, sir. God's talking to you. God's talking to you, sir. You're in and out of church has to stop tonight. Come on, young person. Before you get the application back that you were accepted into that college. Let's get our priorities straight. Jesus. 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 If you feel to pray right where you're sitting, I know it's getting crowded up here. Please just pray. Don't leave here without just feeling a little touch of God in your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seek ye first.